2134, welcome to The Viewpoint for those who have just joined us or to the community of KwaZulu-Natal and the Suleiman family who might not even be listeners. For sure this evening I am hopeful we have at least more of you who will be joining us more consistently for we are celebrating one of your own, a top scholar, UKZN medical student, one of three students selected globally to represent South Africa at the World Health Organization headquarters. Mohammed Suleiman was selected for the prestigious Changemaker Scholarship in Geneva, Switzerland. The fourth-year student is one of three medical students globally who were selected for the scholarship to attend both the Youth Pre-World Health Assembly and World Health Assembly held at the World Health Organization's headquarters. He formed part of the official youth delegation to the WHO, further amplifying his position as a medical youth voice. Suleiman has had the privilege of representing, or rather of presenting to the delegation on health emergencies, preparedness, response and recovery in the South African context. This is all COVID-19 context. Suleiman is well regarded for his academic excellence and display of intellectual prowess at UKZN. And the list of accolades goes on. Mr. Suleiman, good evening. Let me even say, Dr. Suleiman, good evening. How are you? Um, I'm I'm fine, thanks, and I hope you are too. Thank you so much for the invitation. It is certainly an honor um, to be on your show, to be interviewed by you, and to speak to South Africans. You are very humble, and I appreciate that, but really the honor is all mine. You are the one who's doing these things at a global level (laughs) that are not just representing the Suleiman family, but the country and developing a very strong account and narrative of South Africa's young people. Tell us about your research, health emergencies, preparedness, response, and recovery in the South African context that has been able to court this global attention. Yeah. So the presentation that I was asked to conduct, it was um, it was mostly targeted to the delegation, so the youth um, delegation and the WHO officials that um, that were present. Now the presentation it's quite interesting because South Africa is commended for its role um, in leading research and innovation, and especially when it comes to COVID-19, because even at the highest level, South Africa is lauded for its, uh, for its genomic surveillance, the capacity that we have, and how when there's a new variant, we are able to um, to unpack it, because even in um, in in lifetime, we are able to detect these changes in the virus. And this is due to the scientific expertise that we have in the country. And I was simply alluding to how we as a country have played our role in the global response. I was also highlighting how in the initial phases that our president and the government, when we had gone into a lockdown, we were were guided by science and by research in that If a wave of infections has to subside, do we simply do away with the restrictions? No, that was not the case. We would then transition into a new phase in how we respond to the pandemic. And the presentation, it was was quite well received in that we as youth, we are able to represent, we are able to speak up, we are able to outline based on the facts and figures and by research how we as a country can respond to COVID-19. 
I suppose the lived experience um, is that many South Africans who are listening to this program probably can recall to say around about this time two years ago and a little bit longer when the president in early March announced the fact that we should try and restrict our movements. Then a couple of days later, he said on the 26th at midnight, there's a national lockdown. No president in South Africa's history had ever had to say that before. And so born then was this research. What has the world really benefited from South Africa's response to COVID-19, the science that has come out of the country? I'm especially guarded in this question, and, and although I must ask because there was a time towards the end of last year where there was this South African variant, which, if anything, the world bastardized us for coming up with this research. For instance, our tourism took a hit, and particularly at a time where summer is beckoning and we rely a lot on international tourists to come through. That would have been based on non-scientific reasons. In other words, the fact that the South African variant, as it was then called, although there is a scientific name for it, I beg your pardon for not having it, was South Africa's contribution to the global health world to say this is how this variant has evolved, the world must watch out. Are there other things that perhaps might have gone through the cracks that were equally important that have their genesis from South Africa in the global fight against COVID-19? So to answer the first part of your question in that how, how and to what extent we as a country have contributed. So you're quite right that with the beta variant, that was the end um, of 2020, but also towards the end of um, of 2021, so when it came to Omicron, and our team um, at CRISP um, in KZN, that is led by Professor Tulio de Oliveira, we as the scientific community, we have an obligation that when there's research that is conducted, you, so you have to report it to your health authorities. And the knee-jerk response, and it was quite unfortunate with the travel bans, and the effect on the tourism um, part, that was quite unfortunate. But when you look that in the broader context, that the global response to COVID-19 had immediately shifted, that now we are not simply dealing with SARS-CoV-2, we are dealing with a sub-lineage of SARS-CoV-2, which is Omicron. And the response is completely different because because the, the dynamics, it has now changed in that who are you dealing with? Which version of the virus do you deal with? So so the first part of your question, I mean, that's quite interesting. But in terms um, of other areas of health, so the World Health Assembly, which is hosted by World Health Organization, that's attended to by all of its member states. And each country um, or each government would then have a delegation that would attend and they contribute to this global dialogue um, of each aspect of health. And as part of the agenda for the World Health Assembly, there were four pillars. And in these four pillars, there are subsections. So the first pillar speaks um, on universal health coverage. Pillar two, it's on health emergencies. How can the WHO uh, be more prepared to respond to health emergencies? Pillar three, um, how do we as, as the people enjoy better health and well-being? And pillar four, what support can WHO give to countries? So this is a dialogue that's contributed to by all of the member states. How powerful is the voice of 
WHO to, from a medical perspective. I'm asking because of what we all saw happen. The minute vaccines were available, first world countries became first world countries and third world countries manifested as third world countries. Their hoarding of vaccines more than quadrupled the requirement of a particular country relative to its population. And the fact that in many African countries, still the question of vaccine is something which is in the future, not in the present. How do we engage those questions? When you're talking about world health, surely there needs to be a balancing of the inherent inequalities at a political level that should not, fortunately or unfortunately, manifest in this inequality or in that inequality when it comes to health. Because what happened in China in 2019 in Wuhan became something that was happening the world over. So if ever there was a reason for the resources of the world when it comes to health questions to be distributed fairly, not necessarily equally, Unfortunately, what we are then seized with is this inequality in response. Absolutely. And I think um, that you've got it spot on. And for me, this was was the main issue at the World Health Assembly. So for two weeks, we were there. And I think almost every, um, almost every day that when you answer a question, you come back to health equity. I mean, in fact, in the United States now, as we speak, they, they had to destroy 82 um, million doses of the go. COVID-19 vaccine because there's just too much. So now, how is it that one country can have so much of supplies of these life-saving resources and so other countries don't? And I think that um, it would be interesting that now we focus on the pandemic treaty. Now, the pandemic treaty is a proposal put forward by the WHO. And it's already being rejected by a few countries. And it's quite interesting to see that even at the highest level, because the World Health Organization is a technical organization on health, but when you are present, you see how the politics influence those decisions Mm. on global health. Mm. So it's almost as if the politics has infiltrated that space. And it's quite interesting because when you look at the pandemic treaty, it speaks to this issue, to this question that you're bringing about. How do we, do we distribute our resources in an equitable manner? And the pandemic treaty says when there's a, um, there's a health emergency of international concern, the World Health Organization then takes all of the decisions, and the decision that they make, it has to be binding on the member state, on the country. Now... It was called the treaty. When it was created, it was put forward on the table by WHO. These member states were then um, changing. So they were making alterations to the term to say that it's a mere instrument, that it's not something that is Mm -hmm. binding Mm -hmm. on the country. So um, quite interesting discussions for the future. Certainly, and that future is you. That discussion will be led by you. I have thoroughly enjoyed this account, and I'm, I'm so pleased I had the honor of hosting you on the platform, and I'm grateful for the time that you offered to us and just taking the conversation forward and streamlining it for us and adding value to the show. So much appreciated, Mohammed. Well done. Thank you for making us proud. We certainly are of you. My absolute pleasure.
Thank you so much for the invitation. 2146. Mr. Now, Dr. Very Shortly from Now, Mohammed Hussein Suleiman, UKZN, medical student, fourth year. Watch this space. Good night.